Hello, and welcome to today's Future of Law webcast on competitive intelligence and legal analytics. My name is Owen Bird. I am the Chief Evangelist and General Counsel for Lex Machina. Lex Machina provides legal analytics which enable lawyers uh, and everyone in their firms to employ data to win uh, more business and, close, and, and, and win more cases. Today's webcast is going to focus on what we mean by competitive intelligence in law practice, specifically for law firms. And I'm delighted uh, to have on this webcast two experts in the use of uh, deploying data and analytics for competitive intelligence. Our guests are Phil O, oh, who's of counsel at Paul Hastings and an IP litigator, and Peter Giovannis, who's the head of data strategy and analytics at Winston & Strawn. I'd like to ask each of them to describe uh, their professional roles and background to set up our conversation about competitive intelligence. And Phil, why don't you go first? Thanks, Owen. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, my name's Phil O. As Owen said, I'm of counsel at Paul Hastings uh, in the litigation group. I've been doing patent litigation for about 10 years. Um, we have about 100 litigators in our firm. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily call myself an expert <laughs> in this, but we certainly do use Let's Machina a lot um, for competitive intelligence, and so happy to be on this panel and, and to talk about this topic today. Thanks, Phil. And Peter? Hi, good morning. This is Peter Giovannis. Uh, I lead the data strategy and analytics practice at Winston & Strawn. Um, my background is kind of diverse. I started off my career as a naval officer, did eight years active duty. During that time, I completed my MBA. And then the next 20, I went to work for various consulting companies like Accenture or PwC. And the common theme across those 20 years was helping Fortune 1000 companies really achieve a competitive advantage using data and analytics. Sometime along that journey, the last five or six years ago, uh, I decided I didn't have enough stress in my life, so I decided uh, working, traveling, raising a family wasn't enough. So I went back to school and got my JD. And about year two of law school, I had the epiphany of, can I combine those two passions of uh, newfound appreciation of the law and legal data, along with some of the analytics and predictive analytic capabilities I've been doing in Fortune 1000 work. So with that, I'll turn it back to Owen. And Peter, I, I think you're either the only or you were the first uh, person to, to have the title of uh, head of data strategy and analytics at a major law firm. You know, that may be the case. I've seen like chief innovation officer and some of their responsibilities, I think, parallel a lot of what I do as well for the firm. But uh, you may be right. I'll, I'll take that honor of being number one. All right. Well, we've, so we've got uh, Phil from Paul Hastings and Peter from Winston & Strawn, two uh, powerhouse firms in the legal services industry in the United States. Uh, so now we can turn with them as our guests to the topic of competitive intelligence and what that means for a law firm. And where I'd like to start is asking you each uh, the broad question of what does, what does competitive intelligence mean for a law firm? What do you need to know to compete and to win? And I guess we should also define in there uh, the different lanes or buckets in which competition occurs. And 
That would include business development, competing to land the client, and then in litigation where you compete to win the case, and also conceivably in transactions where lawyers are competing to obtain the best deal for their client. Uh, so there's, there's a number of different directions that our conversation uh, can go, but let me start, Phil, with you. What does competitive intelligence mean in the context of your practice and of uh, the services that Paul Hastings provides? Sure, thanks, Owen. For me specifically, when we talk about competitive intelligence, um, really the, the first two buckets that you mentioned um, come to mind. Um, me personally, I've probably done 70% of my work in my career on, on the defense side. And you know, one of the first things I do when Again, the office, or just wake up and look at my mobile devices. Look at Docket Navigator and see what cases were filed in the last day. Um, you get a report every day, and sometimes you see that current clients um, have been sued. Uh, sometimes you see that a company that where you have a contact has been sued. And on the defense side, you know you want to put together as much information as you can, as quickly as you can, um, so that you can try to compete to get that work. Um, and we use Lex Machina for that. Um, pretty much in, in, in every matter. It's one of the first things I, I, I look to to just get basic intelligence very, very quickly um, so that you know who is the opposing counsel, who's on the other side, how many times have they filed suit, um, how many times have, they, have these patents been litigated before if they have. Uh, all of this is you know, very basic information that y you need to know very quickly um, so that you can start preparing your proposal, um, trying to get that work. And then the second bucket is once you get the case, uh, gathering competitive intelligence to, to help you get an upper hand in the case. And um, again, there there's a lot of uh, data analytics that, that can be helpful um, you know, to learn more about who your opponent is, um, the opposing counsel, about the judge that you're um, presiding over your case, the district stats, all that stuff uh, is, is, is useful um, in trying to get a good result for your client. So, Phil, it, sound, it sounds like for you, competitive intelligence is not only, uh, you know, getting early warning around opportunities to land a new client or land a new matter with an existing client, but then having the resources and information available um, to impress them with uh, your deep understanding of the context of their case uh, in order to close the deal and get the work. Uh, ab absolutely. I mean, I, I think one of the drivers of, of using uh, analytics is there's an incredibly large amount of data out there that's, that's potentially useful to you. And being able to gather and mine through that data in an efficient way, you know, the sooner that I can get uh, data points on opposing counsel, on uh, the, the company that filed suit, the, the, the more time we have um, to do other things. And so being able to get that data in an efficient manner is, is, is key for us. And Peter, for you and your colleagues at Winston Strawn, what does competitive intelligence mean? Yeah, I would start off saying uh, I second everything that Phil said. When we think of competitive intelligence, we kind of draw a line in the sand, one side being more the business of law and the other side being more the practice of law. And what we strive to do in both cases is how do we apply data and analytics that we have or can obtain to 
give us an advantage in both areas. So for example, uh, the business of law, we may be replying to an RFP for a potential new client. How can we differentiate ourselves by giving actual facts and data points about the firm? For example, how well have we fared against a certain judge for a certain, certain type of case compared to our peer group? Um, great way to kind of differentiate ourselves. And along the practice of law too, we have a service called early case assessment where very early on in a case or even pre-discovery, we are looking to use analytics to help us understand and communicate to the client what is the likely outcome, duration, and cost for this type of litigation. Again, trying to put us in a position to use data and analytics, not only from a legal perspective, but to have a business conversation with our clients as well, and hopefully another differentiator for the firm. Well, Peter, you've given me the perfect segue here into <clears throat> showing a little bit about what Lex Machina's legal analytics can offer uh, for competitive intelligence. And you mentioned early case assessment, and that is certainly uh, one of the key use cases. So let me now just pull up and orient folks for just a moment to what we mean by legal analytics. So uh, Lex, what Lex Machina provides are Moneyball-like uh, data-driven insights into the behavior of organizations and people who inhabit the federal litigation ecosystem. That includes courts and judges. It includes lawyers and law firms. It includes parties. It includes patents and other subject matter of cases. And all of that information rolls up out of the cases themselves and the dockets and the documents. So what I'm showing here, for example, is that uh, we've got over 300,000 cases in the Lex Machina system, uh, those active since uh, Jan 1, 2009 and forward. And as you can see from this list, some of our subject matters include patent, which is, uh, Phil, I know your core competency is patent litigation, but we also offer analytics for uh, commercial law. Those are uh, federal cases that contain a breach of contract or a business tort claim. We've got antitrust, securities, copyright, trademark, and other uh, subject matter. And what we do is we take the cases and roll up all of the dockets and the documents uh, that are contained in the PACER record and clean code and tag that data in order to then deliver these data-driven insights uh, to uh, attorneys. So you'll see, for example, that those insights include uh, information about case timing and uh, median times to key milestones like permanent injunctions or dismissal or summary judgment, trial or termination. Uh, we roll up information about the resolutions of cases, whether the claimant won or the defendant won, or there was a settlement or a procedural resolution, uh, and then specifically at what stage of the case those resolutions occurred. We roll up information about damages that's never before been knowable at a very granular level and, uh, the, and, and offer people the ability to see which cases have generated which damage types and in what amounts. And then we also roll up um, 
information about the findings contained in these cases. So in the example I've got on the screen, for all the cases that contain a finding of contract breach, uh, the ability to know when that finding was made, whether on default or consent, judgment on the pleading, summary judgment, trial, JMAL, and so on. So all of this data can be put to many different uses. And one of the ways that we try to make it as easy as possible for folks to use this data is through what we call our apps. And Peter, you just mentioned the issue of early case assessment. So let's go down to this early case assessor app and look at just one example. And this is an example drawn from Phil's professional uh, environment, which is patent litigation. And in this case, the question is uh, this plaintiff, Brandywine, represented by this firm, Owens Tarabici, in a patent case, uh, what can we know about them? So let's use Phil's example. He gets up in the morning and discovers that his existing client has been sued by Brandywine for patent infringement, and he wants to represent uh, his client again in this new matter, and what can he know? Well, he can know uh, how often this plaintiff has filed similar cases and in what role, how far along these cases have gotten. It turns out that Brandywine rarely reaches claim construction, which as Phil knows is a key milestone in patent litigation. He can see their most recently filed cases. He can see the law firm, uh, that the Owens Tarabici law firm and what its experience has been both with Brandywine and other uh, clients of its. He can look at other patents uh, that uh, the patents asserted in this case and, and the other cases in which they've been asserted, look at the parties that have been involved in these cases, look at other law firms on both sides of the case. So long story short, uh, in the spirit of we try to provide a light switch and not the power plant, here's an easy way into early case assessment. So Phil, let me go back to you and uh, let's go back to your great example where you've gotten early morning uh, notice that uh, your existing client has been sued in a new matter, um, how can the existence of this sort of legal analytics information uh, help you ensure that you land representing that client on this new matter? Sure. You know, there there's a number of, uh, of things that come to mind, and, and obviously it depends on the circumstance, um, but just given the example that you just gave, you know, one thing that you had mentioned um, Owen was you you can take a look at what other law firms have represented, for example, defendants in other cases. Um, what, what I've learned in the you know in the last decade is that the, the IP litigation community is, is is quite small, and you know oftentimes you work on, for example, large joint defense groups, and you get to know a lot of lawyers in a lot of uh, in a lot of other law firms, and so it, it's it's not infrequent that we will see a, a new case filed against, say, an existing client. And we'll look at, at at the history on Lex Machina, see that someone we know at another law firm worked against this uh, plaintiff uh, very recently, and pick up the phone and 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 call that person and get some intelligence. Um, but easy access to that intel really starts with easy access to this type of information. Um, a, another data point that's, that's usually very helpful, and one of the first things that we look at, and you mentioned, is how quickly are we getting to case resolution? Um, you know, a lot of times you can see trends depending on, for example, 
um, who is the uh, opposing counsel? Have they hired another large international law firm? Have they hired a, a smaller law firm that maybe only has one or two um, attorneys? That may give you insight into how large of a settlement demand that you're going to end up seeing, and, and that might influence whether or not this is even a case that's worth pursuing um, for our firm versus maybe a smaller firm that one of our clients work with. And, and you know, sometimes you have clients that, based on this early case information, they may not even hire a law firm because they think that they can resolve the case uh, in its infancy. And knowing that information early on, um, you then don't have to expend additional resources looking into the case and thinking of whether you want to uh, make the proposal. You can make that early case assessment just in terms of whether or not you as a firm want to go after that case pretty early on just based on this initial information that you can readily pull up and own what you just showed. You know, that's, a, I, I think, a very important insight, Phil, because uh, I think it's easy when talking about competitive intelligence for law firms to assume that you're reflexively chasing every single opportunity that's out there and using analytics to impress those potential clients to land their business. But you've uh, pointed out a, a threshold question, which is, is this a good case for us to chase? And it sounds like you're using legal analytics to answer that question and make sure the answer is yes before you then move on and use the legal analytics information to in fact land that client. Absolutely. Fantastic. Now, Phil, what about, uh, uh, what? I'm sorry, Peter, what about you? Um, I know that you and Winston and Strawn make robust use of uh, this legal analytics information. But you've also told me that you integrate it with other sources of data. Uh, tell us a little bit about first, you know, how you use this data set that folks on this call are seeing on their screens, but then also uh, what else you integrate it with and how you put those integrated insights to use. Yeah, this is an area that we're really excited to be uh, exploring and hopefully a uh, little bit cutting edge. We see a, a real differentiator and a competitive advantage when we combine different data sources together, which will allow us to go deeper in our understanding and analysis, and hopefully also gain some unique insights that we could use to represent the client. So when I talk about different data sources, I'm kind of running the gamut from traditional legal research tools like your LexisNexis, uh, I'll call them next generation legal analytic tools like your product, Lex Machina. Uh, we're also really enthusiastic about a product called Ravel. External which data sources. Parent Lex, which our parent Lexis recently acquired. Oh, very interesting. Um, other external data sources. So this is stuff like uh, Cap IQ or maybe Dun & Bradstreet data or Hoover's. Real interesting when we start to apply SIC codes and understand verticals and gives our business development team some insights into where we have uh, really uh, industry practices that we may not have known. Uh, social media, really a rich source between LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter and YouTube videos. Um, traditional just Google research, going to state bar associations looking for published articles. 
And then really then the the part that makes it so valuable is we combine that with our internal data sources like from accounting, uh, our experience database, our marketing databases. And that gives us a really unique way to answer the question of who from our firm has been in front of that judge and what were the outcomes um, how do we do compared to other firms that are in the same category for the same type of cases? Um, that, and that we call it data blending, or if you will, a data mashup type technique uh, is something that we're continuing to investigate. Also, with all this rich data, we're able to go beyond just historical counts and amounts and actually apply more sophisticated predictive analytic uh, techniques to make predictions as to duration, cost, and outcome uh, for our clients. Terrific. Well, uh, to illustrate uh, your point, I had pulled up here the uh, legal analytics data about your firm, Winston & Strawn. You had mentioned uh, your experience with different, different district court judges, and we see here uh, that experience not only summarized by total cases, but also your experience on the defense side, your experience on the plaintiff side, uh, and with different districts, which of course uh, is, is also accessible uh, through a number of different channels here in the, in, in the Lex Machina platform. So maybe let's talk for just a moment about a couple of those different uh, sets of data and how each of you use them. And let me also uh, announce to everyone listening to this webcast that we will have time at the end for uh, a couple of questions, and there is a way to submit questions through the uh, Bright Talk interface on which you're seeing this webcast. So if anyone has questions, feel free to send them our way. Now, um, Phil, let's turn to specifically competitive intelligence information about law firms uh, and, and attorneys. And if I, again, go back to your firm's data, we'll, whoops, my bad. We can see um, in, in your cases list, when we go to uh, the law firm information and run a law firm's report, what we can see are in uh, law firms that have appeared on the same side as Paul Hastings in various matters, as well as uh, law firms that have appeared in uh, the most cases opposed to Paul Hastings. Let's start with those on the same side, uh, because you had mentioned uh, the importance of, of uh, you know, competing in what you call the known universe of, of players in the patent litigation system. And we see that uh, Paul Hastings has most often appeared uh, alongside Morris Nichols, so local counsel in Delaware. But look at these other big firms, DLA Piper, Gibson Dunn, Pillsbury, Cooley, K&L Gates, Jones Day, and so on. Uh, Phil, I'm assuming that these are your professional colleagues and at the same time worthy competitors out there in the market. So uh, how can you put the, these data-driven insights to work uh, in competing with other firms with sophisticated patent litigation practices? 
You know, there, there, there's a lot of different ways that, that, that we can take this type of information. I'll, I'll give you just one example um, uh, w without naming a specific client, but uh, there are a lot of clients out there that, you know, tend to only use, say, a handful of firms, whether they're um, on like a pre-approved list or just that's just, the, the, you know, the, what you see in, in, in the last four or five years in terms of cases that they've handled. Um, one thing that w we might do is just look at that set of firms when we have a new matter that, that, that that's potentially out there for, for us to, to take and, and see what the other firms are doing. See how busy their lawyers are. Um, uh, you know, typically we, we see that clients, they like to work with generally people that they're familiar with, and it might be that the team at another law firm, they've got two trials coming up um, in two other matters, whether for this client or maybe another client. Um, which might not make sense for them to take on this this new work and, and be able to handle it in a way that's that's helpful and, and in the best interest of our client. So that's a data point that we might look at. Um, it's a data point that we might mention to our client uh, when we talk to them um, about the new case. Um, and Peter, uh, let's turn to the information about parties. Um, you know, let's. Uh, Let's let's throw Google in there just for example. Um, what sort of competitive intelligence uh, can you find about uh, the parties to litigation that helps you best compete in the marketplace? So for us, we're really interested in understanding the number of cases. So for example, if, if it's number of IP cases or number of employment law cases that Google may have been party to during the year, we're looking to understand what firms they typically go to. Uh, we're also interested in, of course, understanding uh, who we know from a relationship standpoint and being able to leverage that for business development purposes as well. Got it. And what about the um, insights available into how uh, a company like Google actually behaves out in, uh, you know, the, the litigation environment itself? Does that uh, shed light that's useful to you in a competitive intelligence context? Absolutely. I think we're always trying to get a sense of whether Google, in this case, is the plaintiff or defendant. What type of trends? What are we seeing? Whether are they ones that want to litigate all the way through, or is it in their best interest to settle early? And then also looking at the uh, firms that are representing them in those cases, what are their tendencies as well? And all that together does give our attorney some type of insight into maybe what to expect for upcoming litigation. And Phil, let's uh, finally, because we just have a, a couple of minutes left, let's turn to the subjects of courts and judges themselves. And since you are a patent litigator, we will use the the busy and famous Judge Gilstrap down in the Eastern District of Texas. Um, how does knowing this level of granular information about his behavior help you uh, when you're trying to assemble competitive intelligence and put it to use? Uh, certainly so. I mean, you know, obviously the, the most direct thing that you can use is uh, Lex Machina to do is just to, to gather any data that you can on, on the opposing 
opposing counsel, opposing you know the, the plaintiff in terms of uh, what what work may they've done in, in front of in front of Judge Gilstrap. Uh, there's always potentially insight that you can get uh, that you can use, for example, in in a hearing from from that type of intelligence. And then more generally, just trends, right? Um, grant rates in terms of granting summary judgment of invalidity or non-infringement, um, Daubert motions, all of that, not just with Judge Gilstrap, but any judge. Um, you want to know the tendencies of, of the courts, of the judges, uh, in terms of is it worth spending the effort, making the recommendation to a client to, to file a summary judgment motion? Is it worth filing a Daubert motion? Uh, th these types of analytics um, that we can get from for example, the data that you're showing, uh, Owen, are, are things that we, we typically look to in, in making those recommendations and decisions. Uh, Peter, last thoughts? We're almost out of time. Well, I would agree. The motion analytics aspect is something that we're really interested in looking at, giving us insights into how often a judge uh, grants a, a motion, and for, was it for the plaintiff or defendant? Uh, great insights, and again, just another way to uh, help our attorneys with a, a better, more robust scouting report. Well, thank you, Peter. Thank you, Phil. I appreciate both of you taking the time today to speak with us about uh, employing analytics for competitive intelligence and law practice. I want to thank everybody who has uh, been on and uh, attended this webcast with us. This webcast will be available uh, for folks uh, and your colleagues to watch, uh, available at LexMachina.com. And if anyone has further interest in learning more about our legal analytics platform, uh, feel free to get in touch with us. Of course, if you want to speak uh, more to uh, Phil or Peter about their firms uh, and, and their work, their contact information is available on screen. So again, thanks, Phil. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, everyone, for attending today. Uh, we appreciate your time. Take care. Bye-bye.